Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And Will is here. Uh, Will is having internet issues, so he may or may not jump back and forth in this episode. We love Will. We're glad he's here. Uh, There's a storm on the East Coast. So we are going to power through and Will will be back and forth as much as he possibly can. And we love him very much. So we're going to keep going. This week, we're going to start off uh, talking to Brent. Actually, it's going to be a very Brent-heavy episode, actually. Yeah, this is. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk to Brent. Firecon just ended. So tell us what happened. Tell us what was awesome. And tell us kind of what the plan is going forward. All right. So uh, Firecon was really amazing. Um, it it was such a great weekend. The community really came through. Uh, I... I kept getting harassed about, <laughs> well, about a couple of things. People were harassing me about the programming being too good and they couldn't make up their mind about where to go. And so I was getting threats because of that. That's and, not a terrible problem to have, though, to be fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's what everybody was saying. They were like, ah, you know, this is these are good problems. <laughs> and then um, I was getting uh, harassed about my arms all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ended up even becoming a meme. So that was that was fun. Yeah, one of our uh, co-hosts is a meme. That's a big that's big news for Just Keep Writing, right? Yeah, like <laughs> uh, you know, y'all have a host who is now a meme. Um, yeah, because they tricked me. They well, they didn't trick me. I basically f- did a little arm flex on camera for Hugo votes for Firecon. <laughs> so I was like, hey, if y'all vote for if y'all vote for us, I'll flex real quick. And I did, and. You know that was a that was a beautiful mistake because people lost their damn mind. And uh, <laughs> I've had someone ask me too, like, "When are you going to start a Twitter account just for your arms?" I'm like, "Y'all are ridiculous." And I love you, but <laughs> the love so, is there, man. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, that was a great weekend. Like, I mean, it was it was just I, I, it was really on a serious note. It was really good seeing like how much people were um felt welcome and they felt like this was a space for them. Like, I got so many messages from people saying like. It was the first time anyone's ever asked him to be on the panel. Like, all right, it, we had one guy. He literally said he was like, "I've been writing ten years, and this is the first time anyone's ever asked me to be on the panel." Wow. And yeah, and um, yeah, and those people just saying like, I, I didn't feel exhausted when I left this con. Like, I actually felt inspired, and like, I want, like, I want to go right now. I want to go be creative, and so yeah, it was just good seeing those messages. But um. As far as moving forward, well, if if y'all if people were at the closed ceremonies, if not, you may not have heard. But we're not we're thinking about not doing it again uh, next year. We don't know. We kind of said everyone just wants to. We don't want to make it based on the motion, so we're going to wait a few months and then kind of decide. Like, mm-hmm. is that what we want to do? So yeah, that's that's. That, it was a little bittersweet telling people that because we could tell, you know, some people were disappointed. But at the same time, a lot of the staff were kind of like, we're burnt out. But then also for a lot of us, it's just like doing this is like taking time away from us pursuing like our own careers. And, you know, our message was kind of like, look, we've been really transparent. We, we've put out every step of what we did and how we did it. So there's nothing stopping any of you all from doing the same thing and honestly it shouldn't just be one kind that does this there should be many so well yeah and, and and honestly as someone who has gone to big conventions like san Diego comic-con and stuff before and um smaller cons and stuff uh and FiaCon the first year um i am bummed still that i didn't get to go this year it was a combination of stuff but it is what it is um but it's a lot of freaking work to put on an event period, let alone a full on convention with panels and stuff and do it all virtually. I commend you guys for doing it. Um, the two years for sure. But like when, and if you guys decide to do it again, you know, people will show up. So, Oh yeah. Now, now we've had people like already try to say, Oh, well, you know, I want to volunteer and it's really sweet, but you know, I'm just, I'm just like, well, y'all got to give us, give us some time. Cause we just yeah. don't know yet. So. And we'll announce it on this show when you guys let us know. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get Firecon <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> All right. So uh, 
I'm gl- I'm really glad that went well, honestly. Um, and I am bummed that I couldn't be there, but all the tweets are out there, all the stuff's out there, and I just I love that that happened. Um, and you know we got your back, man. When you decide what you guys are gonna do, for sure. So yeah, but every yeah. nothing else is going away with Fire Magazine. It's just the con. No, no, no. Fire Magazine is here to stay. That's not okay. that's not going anywhere. That that's that at that point at this point I feel like it's almost I don't know. It's not not too big to go away, but it's just like <laughs> I feel like it's. It's too important to too many people to go away. Even if we all weren't there, I feel like it would still have to continue in some fashion. But For yeah, sure. no, that's not going anywhere. Sounds good. Uh, all right. So our topic for this week, uh, with November sort of looming uh, in the near distant, very near future, um, Nato Rimo's coming up. So Will has something to say. Go ahead. Ah, Will. Also, we have to uh, congratulate Brent because it's his year anniversary on the podcast. <gasps> Congratulations, <laughs> Brent. <Woo>! Yep. <laughs> cool. Wow. Yep. Um, we, we recorded right around this time last year. And when the episode drops, it'll be one whole year that you actually were on the podcast. Wow. Time well, flies. I'm glad your internet worked well enough to throw that in there, Will, because that's a big deal. Yeah, um, that's huge. I had no idea. Like, I mean, wow. So, congrats. <laughs> Maybe we should get him a plaque. I know, right? Year of, year of podcast. But, Nick, we didn't get Will a plaque. And I don't know when his year anniversary was. So, let's just move forward. Um, it was so- in June, you fucking asshole. Okay? <laughs> it was in June, you asshole. Okay? Yeah, Marshall, when's so, yeah, my birthday? Oh, I got it on my phone. Mm-hmm. November. Can I, spit out? Can I spit it out? Wait, is it like November fourth? Nope, oh that's Bethany's birthday. Well, nice try. I, bl- I blew it. All right. Well, I could ask when my birthday is, but I know you don't know. For those of you not I, benefiting from the video feed, I'm I actually, I actually know. Fingers. November seventh. Yes, of course, my bestie knows it. Oh wow. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, congrats to Brent. I love having you on this show, man. And I'm stoked it's been a year with you already. I can't even believe it's been oh, a year. You know, it feels like six months. That's why in my head I was still thinking, I was like, oh, it's been like six months. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been, we've been doing this for a bit. And uh, all of you guys are awesome. I, I wish I knew when every single one of your birthdays was right off the, off the cuff without looking at my phone. But <laughs> that said, um, let's move on. So like I said, NaNoWriMo is coming up. This episode is going to be dedicated to... Uh, Brent is going to throw out some of his tips and tricks and preparation tips and stuff like yes. that for, for NaNoWriMo. So those of you participating, great. Those of you who have no idea what I'm even talking about, Brent's going to start off by saying what the hell NaNoWriMo is and then get into what he wants to talk about. Right. Go, go okay. for it. So um, NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. So basically every year in the month of November, you try to write 50,000 words. Now, I know people out there probably who never heard this out might be out there listening, but 50,000 words isn't really a novel. Okay, we understand. But that is the, I guess, the the bare minimum of what a novel is. So fair, we know most of us dealing with speculative fiction, we're dealing with much larger word counts. But just think of it as you taking care of a really big chunk of your first draft. So 50,000 words is the goal. You can go beyond that if you want, but you got to at least hit 50,000. Also, it's a realistic, although high goal for one month of work as well. Yes. So. If you break it down evenly, you're looking at 1,667 words a day. The only reason I memorize that is because of how many times I've done this. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you're looking at a little over a thousand under 2,000 words a day, basically, which is doable. If And and I'm not going to talk about strategies. That's going to be a different episode. What I'm going to talk about is the idea and kind of inception of, um, of everything. Like when you're just starting and you have an idea or you don't have an idea and you're trying to basically build out before you start writing. So I, I'm going to give this disclaimer. If you're um, a pantser, this might not work for you. You might pick up on some things you like in the process. All depends. 
Um, but if you're a planner, I think this this, this should be helpful. And um, and and so so before you get going, you would suggest obviously for to prep for NaNoWriMo to prepare something. Yes, and the only reason I say that is because it's already going to be grueling enough in the month trying to get that consistent word countdown without having to worry about trying to do some of this this pre-writing. Now, some people thrive under that. So that's why I always give a disclaimer. Your mileage may vary. Some people thrive under going into a story not knowing shit. I have to know. <laughs> I have to know a few key things, actually. I, I have to know a few key things. And I also have to expand on a few of those key things before I can start writing anything. So if you're like me, then this might be for you. So, yeah, that's my dis- that's my disclaimer. I don't, do I have any other disclaimers? Um, just take what you need and leave behind the rest. That's not really a disclaimer, but that's more of an advice. Like whatever you can get out of this. And if it resonates with you, then take it. And if it doesn't resonate, ignore it. Cause that's ultimately you, especially for Nano more than anything, but just writing in general, that's how you should treat. I think any writing advice that you're given, like you take what works for you and toss the rest. Because everyone that's giving advice, they're speaking from a point of what works for them. So not everyone's the same. I think that's my that's my preface out the way. Okay, hold on. I gotta um cut this part. I gotta grab this keyboard real quick. Do whatever you want. So okay. So basically, this is the first part I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna break it out into different sections. So the first part is for anyone participating who doesn't have an idea at all, and they're just trying to. They want to write. They know they want to write, but they just don't know where to start. So that's what this is for. All right. So um, I kind of there's three types of ways that I think about generating ideas for myself. So the first one that I have is the the what if question, which is kind of timely, given what Marvel has going on right now. The little what if show. Right. But what I do with that is. I make a list of things that I love, whether it's uh, I love a character, I love a show, um, I love a song, whatever. And think about questions that could be what if around that. So it was really funny. I actually saw a picture today on Instagram that was like a perfect example of a what if and like how you could maybe expand out into a story. So it was an artist and they drew this picture of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. And then there's this tree trunk and it has Thor's hammer in the tree trunk. And the question it asked is, what if Sauron was able to wield Thor's hammer? <laughs> now, that's a that's that's a bonkers ass question, right? Like, because it's two different universes, two different stories. You're melding that together. But you can take that what if question and, you know, scrub, scrub the copyright off of some of it and <laughs> create you create your own little world out of it, right? So, especially for Nano, Nano's tough. Like, so you want to be make sh- you want to make sure that you're starting your ideas coming from a a place of love, like something that you really, really love. Yeah, Nick, I see you. Hey, quick question on this one though: like, how how early should someone start prepping for Nano? I mean, we're coming coming. It's October one as of posting on this episode. Should I start a week before, two weeks before, two months before? What's kind of the ideal there to to get some of this done? I like to start. I like to start like two weeks before. And the reason I start two weeks before is because I have I have like squirrel syndrome when it comes with things. So like if I start too early and it has to sit there until November 1st, I'm going to have thought of like a new idea by then. And I'm going to be like, well, no, I want to write this one out. And then it's like, I did all work on this other one. It's just sitting there. So two weeks is enough time for me to, to kind of go through some of these other things I'm going to go through and like get it built up enough where I feel comfortable with it, but it still feels exciting and fresh. And I'm ready to like go into it. So two weeks is usually mine. Yeah. And to piggyback on Nick's question, um, because I know what you're about to get into. Now, one idea is what you're trying to hone in on, right? Right. Like, it probably wouldn't help. So I think what people might think is like, word count 
but the output is what you want. You want that 50,000 words in that one thing, not, right. you know, we're not brainstorming a whole bunch of ideas and then throwing, you know, 20 K on each one kind of thing. You know what right. I mean? No, no, no. This is like one idea and you're building a whole, like you're trying to build the first chunk of, of, of more substantial story out of it. So like when I kind of like go through this process, like I like to start off with the little seed and then let the seed grow into a tree and then like start messing with the branches some and start, you know, pruning them a little bit or, you know, tending <laughs> to them and let it grow from there. Like, but I always want to start off with the seed. You don't want to try to like have a bag of seeds and you're fumbling with them and you don't know like which one you're trying to water and which one's going to grow or not. You want the one seed. So you start there. Fair enough. Um, so outside, this is kind of, it's kind of almost um, a bit like the what if question, but it's a little different. So I also sometimes re- rework something I really liked, like a property I really liked and just kind of file the serial numbers off of it. So, and um, for me, like I like to give justice to certain characters sometimes. So one, um, one WIP is, uh, I went through a couple of versions of it. I might come back to it one day. I was really pissed about the character of Hela from Thor Ragnarok. And I was like, she was done supremely wrong. Like she is such a sympathetic character to me. And I wanted to write a story from that point of view in sort of almost in a similar world. So it's like you find that thing you love and the thing you're passionate about and kind of rework it. You got you got to put your own spin on it, obviously, but it can very much draw on that one thing. So they, they call it in fan fiction, I think, filing the serial numbers off, basically meaning like it's almost the same thing in a way, but it's it, it's unique to you. So that's kind of like the second way I approach trying to generate an idea. Now, the third way is I do I do these things. I, I do like little um little word games or like stuff like the story engine. Like story engines, like a real good idea generator. I also like sometimes just coming up with random book comps and seeing like what kind of idea I can generate out of it. So like sometimes I like go to my bookshelf and like count off like five and then like that's the first book. Count off five again. That's the second book for the comp and see like what what I get out of it. Oh, that's so cool. yeah, you know, play little word games or sometimes I'll write out like um, a list of characters and like, you know, do any, mini mighty more on them. And then when I get down to two, okay, these two characters are in a romance. How do I make this work? <laughs> like, you know, are, are, yeah, are they they're in competition with each other? Like just little games. Like I like games to kind of like generate ideas too. So these are all things that you can kind of do if you're struggling to like get an idea and like kind of like know where to go. So yeah, that's the way I break those three out. Now, once you get the idea... What I like to do is before you jump into nano, I like to think about mindset because it's very, very easy to give up on nano. And I don't know why they chose November because November is such a busy month. It's the worst month. I've told people before, like, I think I could be way more successful in NaNoWriMo if it was another month. It's a horrible month. No, it's it's absolutely terrible month to do it. It's like you got Thanksgiving, you got family, you got holidays coming up. You got school is really kind of going towards its tail end. So it's mm-hmm. just like there's so many reasons that you can give up in November for uh, Nano. So I like to think about mindset when you go into it. You want to have like you want to have the right kind of frame of reference for yourself when you're jumping into it. So there's this quote is actually her name is um Jindy, Jenny. Elder Moak. And when I saw this quote, and it was about first drafts, it really resonated with me. And I, I, I keep it in mind for like all my drafts, but I think it's especially important for a nano. So the way the quote goes is, um, stop calling your first drafts garbage. Garbage is what you throw out when you're done with the mill. What you have there is a grocery run, a collection of items that will eventually make a cohesive meal once you figure out which flavors go together. When I saw that, I was like, that is a much, much more healthy way, I think, to think about first drafts. Because when you call first draft garbage, you're inherently saying, suggesting there's something bad in it. And 
And yeah, there may be, but that's that's not the right frame of reference for it. So like if I laid out all the ingredients to make fried chicken individually, I'm not going to want to eat it either. I'm not about to take a spoonful of flour, <laughs> but once you put it all together, you get something that's really delicious and everyone wants to eat it. So instead of thinking of your first draft going into Nano as something that is wrong or something you're just going to have to chuck and throw out, think of it as you kind of, you're out there in the ideal universe grabbing what different elements you need to make a perfect meal or book meal or whatever you want to call it. So that that's kind of like the first mindset thing I would suggest to you. Um, another thing, you are going to deal with shiny new ideas. It is going to happen no matter what. So it is better to prepare for it than to try to be like, oh, I'm not going to, it's not going to happen. I'm just going to focus on my one story and I won't get distracted. You will. And my remedy for that is that I keep an idea journal. I think I may have talked about this on the show before, possibly, but mm-hmm. it, yeah, anytime I finish a book or a show or whatever, I write down what I liked about it. Same thing here with shiny new ideas. If you get a shiny new idea and something like, oh, I want to write that, write it down, go back to your story. Because I guarantee you, by the time you're done with Nano, you're going to come back and about half of those, you're not really going to be feeling that much anyway. It's it's your mind. I think it's something like your mind is trying to <laughs> resist you getting into this work. Like when you get uh, and you know, what, it's I think you should take the shiny idea as like a good thing because that actually means you're doing the work and it's actually you're in you're in story land now. Your story is actually a story. And that's your mind trying to pull you away from the work of it. So keep that idea journal handy. Write the stuff down and then just keep moving. I see Marshall over there. Yeah, as as someone who has failed Nano now three times-ish, uh, yeah, the giving up part is real. And a lot of times um, it is that deal. It's like I get distracted by something or I just get bogged down with November, Right. But right. getting distracted by something, um, I, I still have not Im- started my idea journal that you suggested, but I really need to do that because it's it, that will keep me focused, I think, for sure. So that's that's really good advice. Yeah. And it's, and it, I mean, it has a bunch of uses, right? Like you write this down and like you get stuck at some point in in the current thing you're writing. Maybe you do need a new idea where you can kind of go through there and be like, oh, I can insert this thing I like into this story somehow and, you know, add new life to it. So it has, it has, it has multiple uses, but it's definitely good in the purposes of nano to keep you from getting distracted too bad. And then, um, the third big point I think about with mindset is, and this is something, um, Daniel Jose older actually talks about too, is, um, forgiveness. Like you have to forgive yourself for the ways you're not going to succeed like that. You have to, you cannot, go into this and beat yourself up at, at, at every little stumbling block because it's going to happen. There's going to be a day you're not going to meet the word count that you like. There's going to be a day that you feel like the writing just sucks. And there's there's going to be a day where a character does something that you weren't expecting and you're not sure if you're happy with it. Like You have to forgive yourself for all those moments and you have to forgive yourself for having a life. There's going to be times that you have a spouse that needs your attention or a child that needs your attention or are you just not, you just plain don't feel like doing it. That's okay. Like you have to forgive yourself because I see it too many times where people set these unobtainable expectations for themselves. And the minute that they don't hit word count by like maybe a couple of hundred words that day, they freak out and melt down and give up on the story entirely. Well, and you may, you may be getting into something like this later, um, but it just came to me right now. When it, you know, a lot of us, when we come to writing, we start writing linearly, you know, chronologically or whatever. Like if you, if you're writing a scene and it's not working and you get discouraged, I've been trying to let myself do this. I just bracket something and be like, I'm going to write this scene later. And this is roughly what I'm thinking. And then I start writing the next scene or the next chapter or something so that I, I have to be able to keep going up. I'm in the mood to write, but I can't deal with what I'm writing because it's not good or I'm beating myself up or whatever. Give yourself permission to let that part go, put a bookmark in it, put a, put a 
tack in it or whatever and move forward, right? Come back. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Go ahead, Nick. So I'm going to plug a show real quick uh, on Apple TV, Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. Won all the awards over the weekend. <sighs> Look, it's such a good show. I love it. But something that Ted Lasso always says is, you know what the happiest animal on earth is? Goldfish. Got 10-second memory. <laughs> NaNoWriMo, you got to be a goldfish, I feel like. I ran into so many walls and so many barriers with exactly what you just said, Marshall. Yeah. Now, like, you just got to forget about it. You got to bracket it and move on um, because it is it is about speed and it is about putting as many words on the page as you can. And they don't got to be good. Yeah. Right. They, they don't have to be good. They just have to be there. Um, right. So, yeah. Just want to yeah. chime in there, Marshall, for you. And well, and knowing the revision is going to. Plug my show. Yeah, but the revision has to come, right? And the re- revision is going to come. And NaNoWriMo is about output for the most part, getting that 50,000 words, right? Right. So. This is very much about just getting the words on the page. So, um, yeah. And if you think about it as a grocery run, well, if you were going to, you know, make spaghetti and it didn't have the specific brand of noodles that you wanted to cook it with, but you got everything else and there's another perfectly fine brand of noodles there. You should just get the other brand of noodles and go make and continue on shopping. Like, Don't sit there and stare at the wall mad that your particular brand of noodles isn't there that day. Right. So it might be there the next day. Yeah. You can go do another grocery run later. Just grab what you need for now and keep it, keep it pushing. So, um, yeah, those are my three things with mindset. Like that's kind of what I really try to keep in mind before I even get into the writing, just to get myself in the right headspace to really just be able to push for it. So now this, that, that was more serious stuff. This is kind of like the fun stuff. Now the, um, the actual things I like to have on my plate before I actually start writing. So some people hate knowing some of this stuff. If you hate it, I'll just ignore me. But, um, this is actually coming from Charlie Jane Anders. So, uh, she t- she tweeted like what she needs to know before she can write a book. And I saw it and I was like, absolutely. That's me. A hundred percent. So I wrote it down. And um, yeah, so I, u- I utilize this list before I can actually get into drafting a story. What she has is who is the main character? So I got to know who is the center of this universe. Like I got to know who I'm writing from. Like, there's just no way I can dive into a book without knowing who that main character is. Um, what are the strengths and real weaknesses that make them unique? So she emphasizes real. And I think the reason she emphasizes real is because a lot of times we, um, when we're first creating this, our main character, there, uh, I don't think we, think about their, their flaws enough. Like we don't get into like the real complexities of them because they're the shiny new idea in our head. And we're not, you know, we haven't done that character work yet. So I like the fact that she emphasizes figuring that out before you start writing, because it does influence a lot of like how you, what the voice of the character is going to be like, because if, if, if the character is an asshole, well, that's going to be a much more different narrative voice than if they're a pushover. So, you know, knowing those things, it, it, it helps it helps energize that first draft, at least to me. Um, what is the world like and how does it challenge the main character? So, yeah, you can't have a wizard and then the setting is a, a preschool playground. Well, that's not going to challenge them at all. It might if you're doing like a comedy. But, the, but see, knowing that, that kind of like helps you build the story, right? So you want a setting that challenges the main character because... If their world's not challenging them, then there's no tension there. So you want to make sure that you have that. Um, when does the story start? That one for me, too, I got to know. Like, I got to know when does the story start because that's really... Because I, if I know when it starts, I can figure out what happened before. And if I know what happened before the story starts, that kind of gives me that back, that back knowledge of kind of... I like to know more than the reader does when I first start writing the first draft. I don't want to be, and that, this is more of a plot or pantser thing. Pantsers don't mind being at the exact same level as their potential reader when they're starting the first draft. I'm like, no, I need to know at least like five chapters before them. So yeah, um, what is the climax? So I definitely have to know that. 
usually for me, I think of the climax first before I think of anything else, actually. Like, I always think of that pivotal moment when, like, everything changes. And this one is really contentious. I've seen it online a lot. How does it end? There are some people who do not want to know how their story ends. And some of us who absolutely do. I'm of the absolutely have to know because, like, I feel like if I know the end, I can figure out what the journey to getting there looks like. All right, Nick, I see you. <laughs> all right. I, I got some questions on this one. Okay, yeah, all right. So, one, I agree with all of that, including you got to know the end. Um, but I want to put an asterisk by it. You got to know the end. Because um, I, I do feel like in certain things that we write, your characters take you on the journey. You don't take them on the journey. And yeah. so that's why I would asterisk that one. And I, I understand why some people would hate it. But I feel like for Nano, you got to have an end point, right? Where, where, where should you be at at 50,000 words? That's kind of how I looked at that last question is where should you be at at 50,000 words? Maybe not the end of the book, but where should, where should this bring you at that time? Right. And you should have some kind of idea of, and, and I, I'm glad you said that actually, because there's another author who, and it kind of goes back to Marshall's point in a way too, where like sometimes you got to be okay with changing it up or accepting like, okay, well, I don't quite know this yet. I'm going to come back to it. So well, I was just going to add, too, knowing the ending when you start is important. But going back to what Nick is saying, I personally, I have an idea of where I want to go with it. But the chances of me ending there are pretty slim. But knowing knowing that the, the, the end point exists and like if, you know, if everything goes exactly the way that I've plotted it in my head, I'm going to end at that point. But being OK with that changing, too. Um, at you know when you get there, I think is something to to not be upset about if it happens because like right. like Nick said, you know you your character might go in a different direction, you might pants part of it, and then the ending changes. You got to be okay with you got to be flexible with that too. Right? No, there, there is there there's, there is a certain degree of flexibility. Now, I, I for myself, I know the other end of it where you're too married to the plot and it's too rigid, and it makes your it makes your draft stale. It makes it it makes it very stiff. Like it's almost like you can feel it. You can feel like this writer is just trying to make sure they hit their plot points. Because it's right on oh. their outline, right? Is what you're saying. Right, right, right. So I, I think that it's good that y'all brought up having that flexibility because I do think it's important to have that for sure. Um, what's the next thing we want to talk about? Oh, okay. So another author that I really love, um, V. E. Schwab. She uh, talked a little bit about pre-writing in this one panel um, of hers I went to. It was panel slash class, I guess. And so she does this thing that she calls it the story corpse. So she literally uses this analogy of starting off like you're building a body, like you're building you're building a body from the ground up. And every little thing is is a specific part. of it. And I'm not going to go through the whole the whole um, metaphor because that's like a whole class. But there is something that I see her kind of consistently say that she has to know before she starts. So she has to know five to 10 key moments in the story that have to happen. So she's like everything else she can build between and like kind of web it out. But she has to know at least five to 10 to start. And and once she kind of said that and I kind of like reflected on some of my own writing, I was like, yeah, there are for me, too. I have to have a certain amount of scenes or like key pieces of like dialogue or like revelations that have to happen in the story. So. I would suggest for Nano, you have probably don't need 10 just because this is 50,000 words, but you do want a few key moments that you know that you're working towards. Now, how you get there, that's the fun part. But knowing that they exist, like, think of it like, you know where the two-mile marker is on the hiking trail, but you don't know if you're going to run across a rattlesnake. You don't know if you're going to have to stop because someone broke their ankle. Like, you know where the point's at. You just don't know what's going to happen along the way. So that way you're giving yourself that flexibility that Nick and Marshall were kind of talking about in terms of, like, 
not being so married to the plot. You know where you're going, but you have the flexibility to kind of play around and do what you want to do with it. So, yeah, so that's, um, oh, and now circling back to Charlie Jane Anders, I, I love her stuff. Like, she's so good. Um, so she has some tips for first draft writing, actually. So her recipe for a first draft is, uh, it's pretty simple, actually. But um, you identify your beginning, your inciting incident, the conflict, the climax, and the end. So if you think about it, that kind of almost matches up with V. Schwab's five moments that you have to know. So from there, you craft a protagonist that is uniquely challenged by the world and conflict. Kind of repeating what she said before. Um, now, this is the part that kind of goes along, uh, I think, what Marshall was saying. Right straight through, front to back. No editing, no self-judging. So that ties into what I was talking about with forgiveness. Do not judge yourself as you're going through it. That is the quickest way to gum up the process and kill the draft. And I, and I know that's hard to say to, <laughs> to a bunch of writers because we are our own worst critics. And what I would say is don't go back and read what you wrote the day before. Maybe read a paragraph's work, but do not go back and read everything you wrote the day before. You're going to mess yourself up. Uh, I can't remember where we saw this, Nick. You you probably know exactly what I'm going to say right now. But when you stop for the day, a good piece of advice is to stop in the middle of a sentence or the middle of a thought or like as soon like just so you don't have to go back and reread stuff because I've gotten into that trap before. I sit down to write nano. This is one of my failures. Sit down to write nano. And I'm like, oh, let me just let me just go back because I, I missed a day or something. And I go back. All right. Now I've got 4000 words to deal with. And I go back and start reading. I was like, this is crap. And I lose I lose momentum. And then I spend more time reading rather than just picking up where I left off. It's, yeah. And that's and that actually to add to that, too, I heard something that someone said. And it, um, it kind of stuck with me when you're drafting and you stop for the day, stop where, you know, what's going to happen next. Never stop where you don't know what's going to happen next. Because when you don't know what's going to happen next, you're going to go back and reread. You're going to spend time trying to think about what happens next. So stop when you clearly know what's going to happen next. Because when you come back the next day, you already know, you jump right into the writing. You're not doing all this thinking and you know introspection about it. You're just getting right back to the story. And, and I just oh. thought about this right now. You could actually, uh, if you know what's going to happen next, throw it in brackets at the end of your last sentence and be like, this is what's going to happen next. So when you come back the next day, you just start writing that, you know? Oh, yeah. I've done that many times. I'm like, like this person punches this person. Now, obviously, I'm yeah. not going to just, you know, write that <laughs> word, word. But, yeah, it's just you kind of like give yourself the permission to really just slide right back into the story and go press forward with writing. And her last thing actually matches up with what you said earlier, Marshall, which is funny you brought it up. Like, if you're stuck, just put some brackets and move on to the next scene that you know. Like, and and, and she actually says this thing too, is like, not holding back on the interesting scenes is for when the book is done and someone's reading it. You don't have to punish yourself that way when you're drafting it. If the scene isn't working for you, jump to the next scene that you're excited about. Like you, you're you're just drafting. You don't owe anyone anything. And um, and this was advice I was given actually by uh Danny Lord. So um, they told me because I was stressing about a draft. This wasn't during Nano, but I was definitely stressing about a draft. And the way they kind of worded it to me is like, no one gives a shit. They only want the finished product. <laughs> they don't they don't care how long it took you to get there. They don't care how bad it was when you started. They just want the finished product. So like you you're agonizing over how bad it is right now and literally no one will care once it's out there. They won't even know that that part of the process happened. Like all they're going to see is the finished work. So stop beating yourself up and stop treating your first draft as if it's going to get posted on the New York Times like the next day. <laughs> like it won't. Most people won't even know you went through that. So just just keep writing. 
Uh, yeah, hey, that's a perfect set. Oh, hey, oh hey, look at that! Look at that! <laughs> Wasn't even trying. <laughs> All right, so I got to celebrate one year, Brent. Way to go. (laughs) You're killing it. Right? Way to go. All right. So um, after this point, you should kind of like have an idea of like, you have like a little skeleton for your story. So the next two things I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some basic world building, and then I'm going to talk about characters and like building those. So I actually have a world building list, and I'm going to post it in the Discord. So if you actually want to see this list, you got to be in our Discord. It's 131 questions for world building, right? Now, I'm not going to ask you to answer all 131 questions. In fact, that would not be a good idea. What I would say is for my process, I choose a few of them. I start off with like 10. And sometimes I deliberately choose them. Sometimes to change it up and challenge myself, I'll like pick some random numbers and or do like a random number generator and let fate pick the questions for me. But I would, I think if you start off with the, like 10 of these questions in this list, that gives you enough to kind of like start giving your world a shape. And you can start thinking about the stuff that interests you about this world and also the, and how it affects your character. So I don't get bogged down too much in world building before nano. And I know that's funny coming from me because I love world building, but I think it can be a hindrance in Nano. It becomes a crutch because you'll spend all your time doing these encyclopedia entries and you'll never actually get to the work of drafting the story. So, and and my kind of lesson from that this um this weekend, uh, I actually got a chance to talk with the author of the short story, uh, My Country is a Ghost, that we broke down. Ooh. I forgot to do that. Yeah, so that was cool. So I got to talk to I got to talk to her and um so she had mentioned that she read Faithful Delirium. And so um, she Dude, was asking. So cool. Yeah. So she was like, oh, well, are you going to do like a follow up to it? I was like, hell, I don't even know that world for real. I was like, I-, I don't know. And she was like, oh, well, then that's how I know you did good world building, because it feels like, you know, more. Yeah. And so the, the kind of the reason I brought that up is that that's what you want to go for. You don't have to know every single detail you just need to know enough that it looks like you do so go into it with that mindset and so don't get bogged down in world building because you will it will become a crutch and also too the reason i well you got something watching well i just wanted to because i got one of these lists from an, an author friend as well this a world building list and i got really bogged down in it at some point and it wasn't necessarily for Nano. It was just for my prep to continue writing the novel. I had started the novel and then I talked to this author and he gave me this awesome list. And I spent days answering all these questions, like literally every single one. Um, and that's not something you want to do. You don't need to know all that information. And I've talked to countless authors that said the exact same thing as you, Brent, like, you just got to look like you know what you're doing and know the world. Um, you know, so you don't have to know every single little nuance of everything. So I'm glad you right. said that. Will? Americans barely know their own history and yet they still survive. So I think you'll be okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll be fine. That's a good and, point. And, and that's also more authentic though. Like who, what regular average person walks around knowing Oh, you can bury someone at this amount of feet in this country legally. And over in this country, you can, uh, they have this kind of species of trees. Like most people don't know that. You want to, you want to know enough to like feel like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. But that's it. Brent, that's all you, <laughs> you, you got. You, I love everything about what's going on right now. Like, <laughs> Will, you bring up an excellent point. Like, and as, as authors, we know way more than we should about the stuff we shouldn't know about. Like, Right? Like, right. No, for sure. How long does it take for poison to kill a person? The <laughs> FBI knows about all of us right now. It depends, <laughs> actually. See? See? That's the problem, Will. Why do you do this? If you have a character that knows that, that's interesting and you can build out from that. But it becomes a problem when, well, one, when it's not important to the story. Like, if, if them knowing when how long poison kills takes to kill you, isn't important to the story, well, then they, you don't need to figure that out beforehand. Like, right. there's no reason to. And the other, 
the value in lists like these isn't in trying to do them all in advance. They actually are good. I think of them as like little power-ups in uh, like Mario Kart or whatever. Mm. So what I do, and this is something I do when I get stumped and when I get stuck in drafting, I'll go world build a little bit. Just a little bit, just enough to like kind of like it's like almost taking a breather, but I'm still in the story. So I'll think about something, you know, I don't know, I'll go craft like another country or something and write like a couple of pages about it just to keep in the world, but to do something different. Then I usually come back and I'm like, oh, OK, back to it. No, and you're right. And that's something you're, you're still thinking about the world and maybe there's something you need to flesh out to make that next scene actually work. You haven't figured out maybe the structure of the government enough to deal with this character that you've, that have come out of nowhere. This actually happened to me. I'm like, Oh shit, what am I supposed to do with this character? Now he's supposed to know this stuff and I don't know this stuff. So I got to go learn the thing and then I'm going to come back. Then I can finish writing the scene. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, that happened to me recently with the, um, with the novella I'm drafting. There was a, well, not recently, God time, um, like a month ago. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was like a month ago and there was a point where I was like, why can't I not get past this scene? And I had to, I had to come to the realization. I was like, oh, I didn't flesh out the magic enough for some of this. And then once I sat down and did that, it started flowing like butter. So that's, so that would be my kind of advice for world building when you're going into nano. Save some for yourself in those moments when you're stuck. Cause it, that may be your get out of jail free card. So. Don't try to do it all. You'll get bogged down. And um, yeah, so what I also do, too, is with that list, I'll actually have some questions on hand that I want to use for like instances where I get stuck. So it's not like you have to sit there and try to figure out, oh, I'm stuck. Which questions do I want to do? Just already have some set aside and you can just use those to like get yourself out of a rut if you're ever in a rut. So, yeah, this is kind of everything with Nano is kind of like about ways to set your mind frame in such a way where you keep going where you're not just do not stall so that's yeah that's what i would say on world building okay last little bit is um about characters and how to build them now this when i thought of this this actually kind of like changed the game for me in terms of like how i think about characters so I was at a Flights of Foundry panel with um, Ken Liu and um, some other writers, and they were talking about characters and how you built them. And Ken Liu said, um, he was like, we all collect stories. So your characters should collect stories, too. Like, stories are what make us. So, like, for instance, I think we all can think of a story that, like, defines love for us, right? Like, we could think, like, oh, this particular moment in my life or this particular story I heard about defines love for me. And so he was saying, like, you should figure out what your character stories are. What story defines courage for them? What story defines faith or love or, you know, honor? And that's really world building, too, because if it's a legend or something, then that, that's a piece of world building, even though that defines a certain thing for that character. You're actually building your world through building your characters. So I, that was kind of like a that was kind of like a game change for me, and it actually adds it actually adds a lot of complexity too, right? So like if let's just say for example, there's a character and their the ultimate story of honor for them was their father sacrificing themselves in a battle. Well, if that character all of a sudden finds out, no, your dad faked his death and he ran off with some other woman. That shatters his worldview, right? That completely yeah. destroys that worldview. So that's interesting, though. What do you do from there? Like, what does that character do from there? So just using that, you can really build, like, complexities in your characters. And you can figure out how to challenge them. Like, the, kind of what Charlie Jane was saying. Figure out how to use your world to challenge the character. So... Uh, also, this one, too, was something that was kind of like a aha moment for me. Question your assumptions about all of your characters. And the example that they gave was if you're writing a detective story and your detective is a 40 year old white male, why are you doing that? Are you just leaning into an archetype and being lazy or is there actually a reason for that? And if there's if there's no reason why that character couldn't be a five four 
East Asian woman, then you really need to interrogate, like, why did you automatically assume that this detective had to be that? And they were basically saying, you need to do that with any and every character in that story. And that's that's really almost, um, it was a call to diversity without being a call to diversity in a way. It was like questioning your assumptions about the characters that you build and why you're building them that way. And I think it's interesting. It, it, it'll make more interesting characters. You want, when you're going into Nano, you want to feel as revved up and charged about your story as possible. So you're not going to, well, maybe you will, but I just don't think most people in general are going to feel that charged up about writing a detective story with a grizzled 40 year old white man whose wife left them. Like that's, that's, that's the story you've seen before. So find ways to energize yourself and keep yourself going. So that would be my kind of thing on character. Also too, never assume any character in your story is, is useless or boring. Everything is fascinating when you really dig into it. And even the most innocuous shit is actually fascinating. Like if you, just as an example, if you look at the role of caffeine in European revolutions, you wouldn't think like caffeine actually played a role in like, you know, world history, but it very much did. And something innocuous like that or like our fucking um, I saw something online where people were talking about the history of like crochet and just how complicated and complex that is. You wouldn't most people wouldn't look at crochet as something that's full of minutia and politics and in history, but it is. So I think that's, you want to come into that, your work with that mindset that nothing that you're touching on in your work is a boring topic and it all has depth. So that I would, I would close with that. Assume everything in your work is exciting and that what you're writing is worth. People will want to hear about it. There is going to be an audience for your work and use that to keep pushing for it. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing. 